This is Fam Ghost, and we are live on our Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and now Twitter channels with Queen of the Static Opera. So thank you for showing up for your first interview. Thanks for inviting me. So what we like to do is uh, do it kind of behind the music type uh, interviews where we talk to an artist about what they uh, what they're all about. But what we're going to also do is let you hear Queen of the Static Opera uh, before we get into the uh, in-depth interview. But we do have one sponsor we want to mention, and that's Newsly.me, and use coupon code GHOST2021. That's still valid. Newsly is an iOS and Android app where it reads the news back to you in a natural voice, and you can stop scrolling and start listening. So use code coupon code GHOST2021 and uh, go to Newsly.me or the App Store to pick that up. And now we're going to um, what we also want to do today is uh, we've got your video, which is actually like a YouTube like lyric type video, queued up. Okay. We cool. have it here, and it's um, basically it's it's your um, you're doing a cover of Warm Leatherette, right? Maybe you want to like what what how that came about before we play it. Um, me and my I do Queen of Stack Opera with one other person. We just. We saw the Trent Reznor, Peter Murphy cover of this song. And mm. obviously we knew about Depeche Mode and like Mute has a huge legacy and stuff. And um, I don't know, we kind of just decided to do it randomly one day and it came together really nicely. Um, not much to say about it, I guess it's a cover. So yeah, I appreciate, I really appreciate the original um, writer of the song and everything. And he's said he likes my cover, which was like a huge honor for me too. Cause like, I mean, oh, he's just, awesome. he's, yeah. I mean, he's done like Nick Cave and Depeche Mode. Like those are like people he discovered. So it was like really cool when he said he liked it. So well, I was happy about that. Yeah, that, That's very encouraging when you do a cover and the people that yes. were responsible for it tell you that they like it. I mean, that's, ends up being, I think that's like uh, gold. <laughs> well, especially in this genre too. Cause it's like, I mean, he's such a, he's like a synth innovator. And so then we're doing like synth music. So it's like, wow, that's incredible. You know, like, that's like, he's like, this genre is so new if you actually think about it. So it's like, yeah, that's like mm -hmm. a legendary person. So yeah, it was awesome. I'm happy about it. <laughs> okay, so we're actually going to play some comments uh, from some of your fans. Um, if we, we, we'll put, put it up there, actually shows up. But we're going to go right to it. We're going to put you on mute while we play it, and then we'll come back. All right? Sure. Sure. And we'll actually host this uh, channel. <laughs> so here we go.
Feel the steering wheel. Feel the steering wheel. Hear the crushing steel. Feel the crushing steel. Feel the steering wheel. Feel the steering wheel. You can hear me. Yep. Yep. You, yep. I can hear you. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a really good. Uh, <laughs> I think that's an awesome cover. I can see why you that you, uh, you had um, the praise for it because it really is. is a it, it's, people, a, it's a different take, on it, but it has a good feel to it. Yeah, a lot of people really like it. Um, even like, it feels like it's been uh, like people. If if anybody, if like a random media of any kind takes finds any of my music they always go to that cover so i guess one. they really like it yeah yeah it, it stands out it, it's just you, you got you did something really uh you, you did a you did it justice and you had your own spin to it with the way you, you your style so it kind of brings out the style and we wanted people to hear you um so now they've got a good idea of what you sound like and sometimes we used to do interviews and we didn't actually play the music from the bands and it was like well people mm -hmm. were wondering what we're talking about <laughs> so um one of the first things we like to ask um, any in the artist that comes on the show is like, when did you first get into music? Like, what age did you uh, think that is the is the start of your uh, journey into music? Um, well, I always wanted to do it. Um, my dad was a he was a guitar player, pretty professionally actually. Um, so I had grown up with like a lot of really cool like rock star legacy photos like me with my parents photos i meant stories but <laughs> both of my parents were in a band and stuff so 
I remember I, yeah, I tried to like play the piano. That was like the first thing I tried to play because we had a piano in my basement and my parents would have band practice and I would try to like make up songs without really knowing how to play and I'd play like the xylophone and stuff, <laughs> just like weird mm -hmm. little toys. I just try, I wanted to be in the band. So, um, I well, guess cool to have parents. I, <laughs> I think it's good to have parents to encourage you. But a lot of people look at art, the arts and they're like, well, you can't do anything with that. So they don't encourage you. Right. So it, it's cool to have parents that actually were in it. And so that must have been a really, um, a, a great, uh, lift for, for you wanting to be in it because, you know, sometimes you have children or musicians, maybe they don't want to be musicians, but, um, in your case, you, you did feel it. You felt like you, yeah. you wanted to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, like my sister, she, she didn't, I mean, she loves music, but she's, she wasn't like trying to play music. So it is like me. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, she had the same, she had theoretically the same opportunity to try to learn it, but you know, I wanted to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, my dad and I were really close. And so he was like the really serious musician. I mean, my mom did music too. Like my mom's really a really good bass player, but, um, my dad had like a lot of really amazing, like rock star legacy stories that just like made me really want to become a, a musician, I guess. Yeah. Well, he was a professional musician, part of the Minneapolis sound, right? From what you're yes. right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He, um, yeah, he, he knew Prince when he was a teenager. He opened up for like Tina Turner and like he had like a really incredible like career. And I hope someday I can have a career as incredible as he had, honestly. That's what I'm trying to aim for because I'm still not quite there yet. But he does inspire me for sure. That's interesting because the whole Minneapolis sound, I mean, that's kind of why I got I'm a synthesis. You can see all my synths behind me. Yeah, but, yeah, um, I heard uh but it's like yeah I, I prince was like one of my big in inspiration besides like parliament funkadelic and herbie hancock and people like that i grew up listening to like stevie wonder and like oh i want to do that and and yeah. my dad wasn't a musician but he had an amazing record collection he had like all the motown all the stacks all all this jazz and he just had like a really nice turntable good hi-fi system and he liked to listen to albums all the way through and he would like encourage us so like, yeah, this is cool that you sit down on Saturday night and listen to Brubeck or, or listen to Sun Ra or go listen to Funkadelic. And he would listen to the whole thing and, and then turn off the TV and say, like, you should check this out. And I thought that was really cool. And he was never a musician, but he was a fan. He was like a music fan. And I think that's kind of interesting that I pick up on it, like the way you picked up with dad. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, 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 dad was also like really good at being a fan too so that was another thing too like he had just like this endless like encyclopedia of like musical knowledge so like i was he passed on but like before he passed on we were always like talking about music and um that's probably like yeah it's probably a huge factor in how i learned like what being an artist really means which is like some people think they kind of want to be an artist but there's you know but they don't really it's like so much more yeah. than the surface, you know what I mean? It's a, it takes a yeah, lot of dedication. Like, yeah, that's the kind of, of the next question I get into it is like when when you're talking to creative you know, artists like yourself, like, you know, you can be a musician, but then you could be a musician that's like a studio musician or you could be a concert yeah. pianist, or go yeah, to a conservatory. Yeah. Like, yeah, what made you realize that you had a talent and you wanted to write your own material? 
because some people will get into it and there'll be a singer and they'll work with other people who write the music. But the singer-songwriter has always made me um, very interested in singer-songwriters because I kind of grew up in the 70s, as a child of the 70s, and that's the age kind of the singer-songwriter. And mm -hmm. that to me was like, that's, that's like a complete musician because then you feel like they're telling you a story that's a lot of what who they are. It, because it wasn't like in the old world, you know, Sinatra was singing songs that other people gave him. And, you know, the, the old style of music in the 50s and the 40s, like it was singers didn't write the songs. In most cases, other people wrote the songs. Um, so what made you want to be like a singer songwriter? I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and I have thought about this a lot. Um, when I, I guess, like I said, I, I tried to play piano at first and I would play piano while my dad just would like play guitar and I would kind of try to play along. Um, then I learned guitar chords and I learned I could like put together songs and I was like 10. And that's when I just started writing songs. And I think I started writing songs. Honestly, I'd always kind of written like poems and stuff and I tried to sing them always. So it was kind of natural to me. I thought like you had to write songs. Like <laughs> I thought that was just part yeah. of it. And my dad, my dad really emphasized also like that's a really important part of it. I mean, my dad was a songwriter. Like he was a good songwriter besides being like a really good guitar player. He actually like wrote the song in his band that had like a billboard song. He had like a billboard 200 song in like the 600, like 60s. And he wrote the mm. song when he was like 19. Cool. So like, awesome. I think, he was always like all those skills, like singing and guitar and drums, that's good and dandy and great, but like a song is like the most important part. So that's what he always kind of said to me, I guess. So that's probably why I got into it. And um, I was really good at like with words and things like mm -hmm. that. And I still, I still am. So, you know, I have stories to tell and stuff like that. Well, I think that's, um, the, that's the core. Yeah, sorry. No, I was gonna, I was just gonna say yeah he gave me confidence in my songwriting too I think like he noticed I had a talent for it almost immediately so mm -hmm. I just kept going on that path and I'm still a songwriter to this day well that's cool that he inspired you and encouraged you and gave you kind of that path and also like you know being a child of the 70s is like the Beatles were kind of like you know and even today when I interview bands and artists, they always talk about the Beatles just because of their song craft of Lennon McCartney and Harris and even Ringo Starr. They're just the kind of classic power pop or, you know, pop music that can can just transcend and, and be so popular, but have some depth. And I think that's the whole, whole core of being a songwriter is like you put together a song like the way the Motown guys used to put songs together, just they had, you know, they had those beats, they had the lyrics, they had the, the vo vocals. Yeah. Like when you're trying to craft a song and it's got the structure of a classic song structure, even whether it's pop or soul or any of the, you know, big art, art you know, genres. It's just like, it, you know, sometimes today it feels like some bands are kind of stuck in like clips or, or just the hook and not yeah. thinking about the kind of classic sound structure that you get from the late 60s and 70s, you know, but yeah, I <laughs> no, no, I it's I agree. And I think it's funny because I never think about structure anymore because it's so like in tune with me. Like I know like how long a verse goes, how long a chorus goes, like I don't need to think about it because I've been doing it for so long. But I think I'm guessing my dad must have taught me when I was young because I don't know how I figured it out because I still know it. But <laughs> yeah, I totally yeah. agree. 
Um, yeah, and, 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 today we get we're living in an age where there's so many different genres where you have, you know, like, like EDM and trance and hip hop, where sometimes the structures are, you know, you never know. Because I mean, hip hop, you could be coming from a jazz place, you could be coming from a funk place, so it could have yeah. the same kind of structure. But um, either types of forms where you know they're stuck into the drop, you know, they're stuck in a, in a kind of a repetitive structure, even if you get into like, yeah, you know. I was I, unless I you like. like uh, Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to No, but what I'm saying is like, I think there's a lot of cool things and there's modern music you can get into. You can say, well, that's the way it is. You know, trance has that certain structure or trip wave or EDM or any of the big beats, whatever. There's all this structure, but I can go back to new wave, you know, and yeah. I love the kind of structure of new wave music. Being a synthesis, it's kind of like, oh, wow. You know, I heard Joy Division, they became New Order, you know, Depeche Mode named, you know, like The Cure, all those bands. They just, it just felt really interesting. They took that kind of post-punk spirit. They were coming out of the Clash and the Sex Pistols and even Brian Eno stuff in the 70s and then finding a way to not do what Yes and Funkadelic did, <clears throat> which was do like Grateful Dead 10-minute, 15-minute songs, but actually create yeah. pop songs, songs yeah. that were three or four minutes long with those progressive techniques from those synthesizers and, and, and being able to you know bring funk and other things then i think that was what's cool about new wave is like people think well it's all synth but there's a lot of interesting bass lines really yeah. cool guitar that is kind of post-punk it's got punk aesthetic to it and i think that's been you know what i always love about the 80s was the kind of melting pot of all the different styles um, yeah kind of i together. i i agree i love um I love 80s song structure. I think it was like the pinnacle of like great songwriting from like a, a structural place, like how the vocals were, like the chord progressions. Like I'm not super into the, um, I have respect for people who do like the 10 minute long, like complicated instrumental music and stuff, but it's not <laughs> what I like listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not really what I enjoy. Like I love 80s music though. So I so agree like new wave is amazing. I love that stuff. Well, I like the fact that they were able to take the same, you know, take the mini Moogs and take the Hammond organs and take all those things that the Yes and Sticks and all the hands were doing and find a way to, you know, shorten it and, and make it more poppy or get the hook tighter. And I think that's where the Prince, Prince has taken stuff from like a band mm -hmm. like Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk is very experimental, but he took their yeah. kind of vibe and it made it more digestible. And even took the the Parliament funk, funkadelic vibe, where they could go ten minutes, and he brought down the same kind of funk, but brought it down to a song like Kiss, or you know, yeah. and wow, he's like that's funky as anything funkadelic would do, but it was way shorter than anything they would have done. Um, but it, it gets to the point, and I think that's what the cool thing about the '80s is—you can kind of get to the point and still have a lot of experimentation from the progressive side of the uh, music. Um, I think I think that's kind of what. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> I keep well, doing this. Fine. I think you're no, ending fine. and then you're starting. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, yeah, I agree. And it's funny because kind of like Queen Aesthetic Opera as a project conceptually, instead of like taking like mixtures of like kind of like the '80s stuff, but then also like experimental like noise music and yeah. like making it like pop. That's kind of what the project is, and it's really weird and it's hard like. It's kind of strange because I don't really know where I fit in in like the um, like the internet hier hierarchy of like where you belong. Like a lot of the yeah, because like a lot of the like more like noise metal people they want to hear like 
like songs without hooks and stuff like that and songs without clean vocals and i'm like trying to do this noise pop thing is what i call it which is like has clean vocals and hooks and is melodic still but like also like noisy you know what i mean so it's it's yeah it's kind of that trent Reznor kind of nine inch nails noise but a little more poppy yeah so pretty you've got, much like you got the grimes kind of reference yeah. We're going to talk about like uh, reference points, but like Trent Reznor is a big influence for me. I use a lot of uh, tools in my synth design. You know, I use a lot of make noise, Euro rack type stuff to try to get that weird dissonance. I I, I like one thing about synths that is interesting with what I like about Trent Reznor is like synth pop when it started, you know, you get bands like The Cure and they kind of poppy. And then you get a yeah. little more darkness for a band, well, a band like Joy Division is a little dark. You know, and then you get the Depeche Mode is a little dark, but Trent Reznor takes that and it has a kind of punk edge, like a death metal edge, but it's synthesizers. Yeah, that are showing much. that you can that you can be have an attack on a synthesizer that's as heavy as the Clash or as heavy as any like you know as any of the of the death metal bands or even like you know Deep Purple or trying to hit hard. You know, you're trying to hit something, and sometimes synthesizers are looked at as oh, that's a pop machine. You know that's a dance machine, but you True. can actually you can actually have a dirtier sound if you use like a Moog and you're running through filters and you're running through all kinds of weird things. You can get it sounding it distorted as as hell. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I and, agree. And I kind of right. like to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I can hear it, and I listen to some of your music. I can hear that for sure. Um, I totally agree. I think because my dad was a guitar player too, like I went towards electronic music, but I wanted to do something alternative still because I, I do play guitar as well. So like I have that sort of like um, rock adjacent like background, but I don't want to do just that kind of music because I don't, I don't listen to just like guitar metal music. That's not a lot of people meet me and think that's all I like, like, and that's just very inaccurate <laughs> like to what I actually like, which is why I do. Um, kind of like cross a lot of genres in my music like my music has a lot of different influences and I've just never I've always like even before I had my bandmate I was always like I want to do every kind of music I don't know why I can't I'm from yeah. Minnesota you know we have Prince there who did like all yeah, kinds yeah. of music so to yeah, me it yeah. was like why do I need to limit myself but it is a marketing tool like you have to somewhat market yourself some way but I don't want to yeah, like limit the actual hard. sound because the problem is, like, if you put yourself as an electronic musician, some people just think it's like, oh, that's EDM, right? Yeah. And I've yeah. always kind of been in that problem where that's why I came up with the idea of expansive sound. Because, like, I like jazz. I like punk. But then people see my sense and they think I'm just going to be doing a rave. And that's not exactly what I'm going to do. I might go, like, I might go into, like, a Genesis, Peter Gable Genesis 10-minute yeah. song. I like to do that old or Pink Floyd type of thing. Right. I might, mm -hmm. I, I like to go there, but you know, everybody thinks, oh, you're just gonna, cause I always tell people like electronic music started with these guys on these, like Keith Emerson on these massive, like modular synths and, you know, bands like Pink Floyd doing this serious experimentation. And it wasn't just about dance music or ha happy music. It was very jazz kind of experimental or classical kind of structures in, 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 in it. And and that's where I think the cool thing about the new wave is it made made it like you said more digestible. If you, people can dance to it, then they're gonna not worry about the complexity of it, even though it can be complex. That's why I think the heart of Prince is his stuff on a, on your surface. It seems like it's simple, 
when you actually get under the covers, it's, okay, like, no. wow, it's not that simple no. at all. <laughs> no, he's literally like one of the best musicians that I've ever walked the planet, probably. So it's like, yeah, no, I'd agree. <laughs> um, and I think it's funny too, because like I've been trying, I do make like more high tempo dance music. Like I like to dance, but I don't, I'm a very serious, well, not I'm serious, but musically I'm kind of heavier though. So it's like, even when mm -hmm. I'm making dance music, it's kind of, dark <laughs> if that makes sense it's like a dark dance yeah, so i yeah. i relate to the, well, um, I'm always, the dark qualities <laughs> yeah it's kind of like like you know to be in a child in the 70s everybody starts talking about the dark side they start thinking star wars vibe whatever but um but like yeah i think i always did like like i say the punk aesthetic even though i'm yeah. a synthesizer player and they say what what's that Me too. You know, what's that got to Me do too. with punk i i like you know bands like the replacements Bands like Who's Could yeah. Do, you know, you yeah. know, like anything on sub pop. I, I was like, and we say, how? Why are you listening to that? You're a keyboard player. Like, because I'm getting inspired by their kind of hard edge, and I want to bring that kind of like what Trent did and what Brian Eno used to do with Bowie. If you listen yeah. to some of the experimental stuff that Bowie did, it's like very out of left field, but it had a lot of punk in it. Kind of, it, it was like new wave before new wave. Brian Eno, what they were doing in Berlin, it's like that is like at the beginning. In some ways, are the new wave the stuff that they were doing, um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just interesting when you have a little bit of a dark side to something, and yeah. even if you could make something like I think churches is really interesting to me because they have this kind of very poppy sound, but the lyrics are dark, and if you re if you read the lyrics, they're like wow, that's heavy, but the <laughs> song seems poppy, but the lyrics yeah. are super heavy. I kind of like the dichotomy of you can either do the reverse of that. You know, but yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of cool to do that. Yeah, I love the combination of like really dark things and like things that aren't supposed to go together with it. I think that's yeah. just great. That's totally like my per that I yeah one hundred percent. I can relate. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> um, one hundred percent. So when you're writing a song, um, um, like I think we talked a lot about your reference points, but maybe you want to talk a little bit more about your influences. Sure. um just to let people know oh man there's a lot of them um so i i guess i take from a lot of kind of like i was mentioning i i, I guess I, I love all the like really good artists i love like um bowie and kate bush and nina simone and like um like you know like the people you were saying like joy division and depeche mode and all that 80s stuff um love of course, Nine Inch Nails. I love a lot of heavy metal music. I love a lot of, um, I love like hip hop. I love like funk. I love, I'm gonna say I love all kinds of music. I don't know. It's like a lot to say. Um, trying to think. Well, I think like, being a fan is, is the core of being a musician because I think the more things you listen to as a musician, the more innovative you get. Like if you just stay in your lane, then you sure. might be the best person. Like, you know, a blues guy might just stay in the blues, but a lot of times they'll branch into jazz branch into soul and maybe branch into a little bit of rock. And when they do that, then it gets wider. But if they just say, well, I'm just going to do Delta Blues. That's all I'm going to do. That's cool. But you stay like in a, in a little niche. And some guys want to stay in a niche. You know, that's okay. Fine. That's what, they, what they're known for. But I've always been very interested in people who have phases in their career. 
and when you go from one record to the next, they kind of are growing as a musician. And you're like, oh, this is this phase. Like Miles Davis had different phases. He was doing the bebop, they did the fusion, they did the free jazz. It's kind of cool to see somebody go through phases. I want to do that personally. I want to do like several different kinds of projects. I'm going to do like an electronic, more um, like lighter project. I want to do like a more like metal sort of bass project. I want to do like I've been a, like a lighter, more like experimental kind of like songwriting um, story project. I have mm -hmm. like a lot of uh, the ideas kind of. Oh, like a, like a concept album? Yeah, kind of like, um, yeah, like where it's like, it's like a full out concept and um, the kind of thing where yeah, like a song, it's every song is like a little story and it's like. Like Tommy, like Tommy or Quadrophenia or like, you know, in the, in the 70s, well, in the 60s, you have Tommy. And then in the yeah. 70s, the Who Do It Again with like Quadrophenia. And those to me are kind of like the peak of, of Pete Townsend's like rock opera tendencies. Um, and then you get Pink Floyd doing their kind of pseudo rock operas. They're kind of a little looser than what Townsend put together. Um, and then you have the bands like Sticks that did things that were kind of, okay, is that really as tight as what Pete did? But yeah, I mean, in, that, in the 70s, you have a lot of rock operas. And Pete Meatloaf, a lot of his stuff is like rock opera. Um, uh, but I think it's cool to have like a theme and in some albums, you could think like yeah. Sgt. Peppers isn't a concept album per se, but, and then maybe it is because it seems so tight, but it doesn't really have a story, but somehow they all, all the songs fit as an album. It feels like a project, but it doesn't flow like, like Tommy. It doesn't tell the story of the deaf and dumb blind boy. It doesn't do that, but it feels like a unique, like concept. I kind of, yeah, I kind of wonder if like they put it together later that, oh, this could work as a concept, like when the Beatles were doing that album and, or if it was, I don't, I wish I wouldn't know. I'd have to like, there's probably writing and stuff on it from the fans, but um, I, I did try to do kind of like a concept with my first album and it sort of is a story. Um, it's actually just an EP and it was like the story of like, it was supposed to be like, heaven and hell and outer space <laughs> like basically is what it was supposed to be it was supposed to be like, like the duality. character goes through hell and she dies and then she um is alive and she's you know in heaven in the like last half so like some of the songs are like guitar and they're like darker and that's hell and then the more electronic like organ uh, orchestra songs were like heaven then i next ep after that had a lot of remixes from it but also had like so it was kind of still in the same world but there were a couple like new things where I was exploring like um, I was exploring like this twisted uh, like stuff with like being a woman in America kind of thing. It was sort of oh, like yeah. this, like a dark a um, almost that. political, yeah, almost <laughs> political. Um, kind of like like about sexual politics and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I want to do like more fantasy concept albums though, because I'm not necessarily interested in being like a political artist because. That sounds awful. I don't want to sit and talk about politics all day. <laughs> I'm much no, more interested like even, in like. I think even Dylan kind of got burned out. Like Dylan was known in his like Arlo Guthrie, Woody Guthrie stage as being a protest singer. And I saw yeah, the Scorsese. I, I saw a Scorsese documentary, and he was very uncomfortable with being called like a political singer. Though I mean, his music is inherently in the '60s. Some of it is very political. Um, and then he kind of went into more singer songwriter abstract stuff when he started doing stuff with the band, you know, it becomes more Americana, more abstract, weird concepts, telling stories, but they're stories about stuff happening in the 1930s and forties. He just starts 
creating all these like weird characters and stories, trying to distance himself from that kind of protest music. But then once in a while, he would come back and do something like like Idiot Wind um, that actually has statements in it uh, that you could relate to different things going on. But um, yeah, it's just interesting. I think it's as an artist, you kind of like, it kind of, it's like how you feel at the time in the age that you're in. Yeah. Some things might drive you to become more political. You might not have expected that you would do it, and it just yeah. happens. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what happened with um, the "Make Love to America Gently" with the chainsaw. <laughs> when I say it out loud, it sounds so funny, but uh, that's kind of why it just sort of like happened that way. But um, I have no interest in like being a political artist. I don't want to talk about politics. I want to write like fantasy stories. For me, it's kind of been like about escape. Ism, I really admire, like like you were kind of saying, people who create characters for stories. Because um, I, I love writing too. Like I'd like to write a book eventually, um, or maybe even a couple. That's uh, so why I'm really drawn to artists like Nick Cave and things like that, um, who are very character based, but yeah. still have like great instrumentals and still like really exciting music. I like music that's like an exciting experience. I don't like to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to write something that makes me fall asleep, which is why it tends <laughs> to be kind of on the darker side or the more dramatic side, because that's usually what happens. I like really dramatic chord progressions. I like really dramatic stories. I like characters. So yeah, I mean, my next project will probably I still do write from my own feelings, of course, and it has to be like a character you relate to, but you know, it's word wise. And when writing a song, like when the song is in its initial forming phases, if I don't have like a strong imaginative idea of like what the song is, it's not going to interest me to keep working on it. So mm. having characters and stories and things like that helps. Even so if I am just, exploring something personal, like it does help though to have like a sort of like a fantasy version of the, the story in my head. So a lot of times I'd like to, to get into like uh, the heads of the musicians I talk to in terms of like your stage persona, like um, a lot of times, you know, the good example of what I'm trying to talk about is David Bowie. You know, when he started, he's David Jones, didn't really work, came out, did Ziggy, started creating characters, started creating stage personas. You know, between the lad and Sane, Ziggy, then White Duke, and it, it worked for him. And then you see that, like, even like Freddie Mercury from Queen, he had this over exaggerated version of himself on, on yeah. stage. And even Prince, they like the kid, like every album, you know, Purple Rain, he's the kid. You get the parade, he's this other character, you know, Christopher Tracy. He goes every time he did an album, he created like a persona to go with the album, like a stage, like a version of him for Sign of the Times is not the same as the one for Purple Rain or the one for Around the World in the Day. He came in like different outfits, different attitude. Do you feel like when you, do you approach music that you feel like you got to come up with like a persona to go with the theme of what you're doing? Totally. Um, I think that helps you be braver to be out there. Like it helps with your bravery. I think it helps with the not being bored. If I had to, like, I'm actually, if I had to stay in where I was with my first project for the next projects, I'd be really bored of it and not want to do it. <laughs> so I like, I also, I do like to explore different like facets of my personality with each project that I do. So I think that's kind of, I, I think there's a reason it, it usually happens with really good artists in that way. Um, you know, everything about, everything about it from how you present yourself 
to the sounds itself, the titles, the lyrics, it's all, I mean, it's all calculated, right? Like, it's not like we're coming yeah. up with it from the, from our, you know, we're thinking about it. So for me too, yeah, it's always helped with my bravery. Queen of Steak Opera was always a more exaggerated version of, of me, kind of. It's like um, the other you. It's like, is yeah. it like the other you? Because I like to look at the idea, like Victorian poets had this idea of like the looking glass and the other, right? And so if you get into old style poetry, they would like the looking glass is used all the time to kind of represent that person that you look at in the looking glass is like the other version of yourself. And maybe yeah, that exactly. self is, more, is either more brave or they're afraid or whatever. You project on that other. And then a lot of time musicians, like, when they're on stage, they're that other you, you know, they're that other me, um, really other me. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's, I think every time you go on stage, there is this other person in order to be a musician on stage, you do kind of go into a, like a trance or you get into the state yeah. where you're feeling the muse or you're feeling the universe. Or you feel like you're feeling like a, like a keyboard player. Like I get, you know, you see them, we get in the zone. I don't even know if he asked me, well, what were you doing? I'm like, I mean, I was in the zone. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, it's like it's like i don't know what i was doing it's like you asked me two hours after the show it's like did you know what you were doing i was like kind of just went with it you know i just felt it, you feel it you know i yeah. think any music guitar players feel it when they do their solo because they explain why they did their solo the way they did it was like probably not they just felt it you know and that's the way where they went you yeah 100 100 and like especially because i do a lot of i mostly sing live and that singing is like, I it's like a difficult instrument because it's inside of your body. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like yeah. very, it, it requires like a certain extent of bravery. But like, I literally will like, I literally like scream in my shows sometimes. So mm. it's like this very exaggerated, aggressive version of myself, like where I like lie on the floor and I'm like screaming and it's like crazy. And it's just like, bizarre <laughs> and i'm not saying i don't sing too from a technical place because i do but mm -hmm. um it's like I always, <laughs> yeah and i like i like extreme artists i've always liked really extreme artists with extreme visuals people who are like really daring and brave and doing extreme things because i'm mm -hmm. i'm bored with i'm not i'm just i'm not a i don't know i guess i'm just a weird person <laughs> no i think that's part of music i mean if you think about it I mean, hendrix was like super extreme you know i think prince kind of took a lot of his stagecraft but like he would just be you know totally wild you know doing flips you know setting the guitars on fire and just yeah. and one time i think bill bill graham told him like why don't you are such a good player why don't you stop doing all the pyrotechnics and sit down and actually play it like I think one time, and then he got pissed off at what Bill Graham told him, and he told, and he said, "Okay, I'll I'll do it." So he did one set without moving around. He just he didn't jump around. He didn't try to play with his teeth. He, did, he just played straight, so he would sound really good. And then he said, yeah. "Was that was that cool?" And he guess yeah. Then he went to the next set, and he was just jumping around, flipping, and and doing all the stuff that he liked to do. You know, they made him like the stage performer yeah, version. Yeah, it's you know. it's. It's way more fun. I mean, I, I took dance classes and stuff when I was in high school. So like, I also can move around on stage and I like to do that. That's why I was saying I like up-tempo, even if it's dark, but I want it to be like up-tempo and danceable. Cause that's like a huge part of why I like music. Like I want to be able to move and groove. It's not like a thing where I'm just like sitting and like, oh, sad. That's not my personality. Yeah. It's not what I enjoy. Like I'm sad. I mean, it's dark. Like I said, I'm not from like, 
rose i'm not from like a bed of roses or anything but it's fun <laughs> yeah, yeah it is fun yeah i think i think that's what the progressive bands like yes and pink floyd got accused of in the 70s of like turning their back on the audience and concentrating on trying to make the performance sound so perfect that they forgot about the presentation and yeah. then that kind of kind of drove the punk movement to say like i don't have to be jimmy page i don't have to be dave gilmore i don't have to be robert plant i don't have to have these great voices and this great technical ability i can just come out there like joe strummer and 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 not be be a guy that really can sing technically but he has like the attitude and honesty that was like wow that was refreshing creativity is something you can't train like you can train your voice you can train you know you can learn all the scales or whatever but creativity and guts and performance like having your performance aura because like i've seen a lot of shows i've seen some really good performers and it's not even just the technical aspect that makes them good it's 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 you know how original you are because there are tons of technical musicians that are totally boring to me that i don't care to listen to they aren't interesting to me it's yeah. you know it's not it's not it's not to say like I, I don't admire their technique but if there's no creativity there i don't really care if it's if it's what are, it's about what are you saying like what are you saying with your music that's what's going to get people interested like what are you saying what are you making your audience feel when they hear this i think a lot of them a lot of people especially like in minnesota for instance there are a lot of really good musicians there and a lot of them get really caught up on like chord progressions and like jazz and like stuff like that. And sometimes it's yeah. like, but what about like a good song? Like, you know, like yeah. you guys are so caught up in being impressive to other musicians. Like the core essence of like the good song isn't there. Um, I don't know, like my, like my, like my bandmate is really talented and, um, it's interesting to me that sometimes he'll only write with like four chords or something, but it's like, just sounds phenomenal. And it's like, yeah. I mean, if you think about the Ramones, I mean, think about the Ramones, like they have this guttural attack. It's very simple, but it's, it, it, you know, it, it just hits and it's poppy and it doesn't have to be, you know, you think about the early clash, you get the bands like who's could do, um, and uh, a lot of stuff on sub pop. Um, it's just like the, the punk aesthetic doesn't mean that you have to know all the Beatle chords, right? That you just get in order to come out and actually say something that hits with the audience. And then you're like, okay, you know, you get these like punk or like post-punk bands or just that kind of spirit. Yeah. It, it is always to me was like, when I first heard the replacements, like, sorry, mom, I forgot to take out the trash album and it was like it was punk it was like clash it was like sex pistols type stuff it was like very raw it wasn't as poppy as they got they got a lot more poppy um yeah. but that was like raw and and there was something about that raw nature it's like wow i like that you know i like bands yeah. that can come out and maybe they're not technically they're not jimmy page they're not led zeppelin they're not pink floyd and sometimes you don't want that you sometimes you don't sometimes like maybe if you're in the basement with your headphones it's cool to listen to Dark Side of the Moon because of all the work that went into it. But but sometimes you just want to you want to punk out. You listen to Green Day or The Clash or Nine Inch Nails. It's like yeah, I don't need that technical aesthetic to be I happy. Think <laughs> I think your talent can be innate without it being um, overly like like I said. I, I'm not Run saying uh, I'm not, yeah I'm not saying like 
you should never try to get better or anything, you know, I'm not no, saying no. that, but I am saying like the song core and what you're saying and your creativity and your, your guts and your personality is what people are actually going to be more interested in. Like you can always clean up other elements of it. And like, as you develop, you know, like as a singer, like I've gone through phases where I sounded completely different from what I sound like now. And I'm glad I did go through those phases. Cause I think it, helped me learn what kind of voice I would like to, like I, I want to have. And I have a certain taste in vocals and there are a lot of vocalists who can be really good with voice lessons and like technical things, but their voice has no character to me. So when I listen to somebody like, um, like I was listening to PJ Harvey yesterday and it was oh. like, her voice is she's phenomenal. Yeah, she's yeah. Like her voice is so much character. Like you can tell she thought about like, emoting in every even if it's not like an overly complicated vocal line or anything like she's not trying to like hit like Whitney Houston notes but yeah, it's like, like well, I, yeah I, I but think it's, it's like the same so thing thought with, out like a Liz Fair I love Liz Fair Exile and Guyville and I, I, I like her kind of she doesn't have like a Whitney Houston voice that's not what it's yeah. about she she yeah. has this kind of deadpan kind of Lou Reed Velvet Underground take on stuff it's coming from this underground kind of girly sound is this kind of punkish post-punk her post-punk interpretation and uh i i i, I always like that the, the, i always try to tell people you don't have to have the perfect five octave voice you know or, or the baritone voice or like a lot of times like if you listen to motown he's like you would think why well, there's no way i can sing at all right because you you got to be like smoky you got to be like marvin gay you got to be like the four tops those guys are just like they're perfect perfect yeah. voices there was, there was a whole period where that's all you you couldn't even get to the microphone unless you could be like a Smokey or be like sinatra they wouldn't even let you near the microphone <laughs> you know that is true I, it's a different time so now oh. I mean, dylan kind of opened it up where like where's he coming from <laughs> he's coming from like outer space but it's like his he has different variations of his voice too. He could do like a Nashville skyline version of Dylan where his voice is, wow, that's pretty, that's really pretty. I mean, it, it, he actually could get the tone. Uh, but then other times he does this kind of Arlo Guthrie kind of nasal version of himself. That was this kind of caricature of himself. And if people would say, well, that's really, you know, you either love Dylan or you hate Dylan, but like I think this thing about him is like he doesn't just have one voice. If you listen to his catalog, his voice changes all the time. It's like different versions of himself. Yeah, my my parents like uh, were were big Dylan fans. I'm I like some of his his music, um, but I'm not like a. I do respect the like songwriting though. I can see how it's like. Yeah, it's probably more it's the songwriting structure is, is the way that his like lyricism is like fantastic. But um Yeah. And I started out kind of like a heavy, like I was very, very good at lyrics. Like that was I mean, I played multiple instruments, but like I was really good at lyrics, so that was like my thing. And I had a really weird delivery and <laughs> like I, I got through weird phases. And I like to technically sing too, like I really it sounds weird, but I like to try to sound um like I love, like my warm up song is I always try to sing Michael Jackson. Those are like my warm up songs. Oh, like, <laughs> like, yeah, they pick stuff right, yeah. But yeah, then you got like, a, yeah, you that's a really great vocalist. So I mean, if you're gonna try to like get in the pitch of a of a great vocalist in the kind of tradition, yeah. like like a Motown vocalist, you know. And and I like how his his vocal is like like it's it's technically 
it's technically great, but he's not like, I'm not a huge fan of scales and stuff. Like I don't listen to mm -hmm. singers that like hit all the, I don't like that, but I do like to be on pitch and sing well. And I like mm -hmm. that Michael Jackson's voice is like, well, A, his voice is so high that <laughs> it can kind of yeah, hit high range. <laughs> like yeah, our ranges are similar because his voice is so high, <laughs> but also I just like how he delivers things with, yeah, and so he has like I a actually, really interesting kind of an attack that's like like a, like playing an instrument. Like like when somebody's like scatting on a guitar, he can scat with his voice. It's kind of like a, a, a kind of African American kind of you know in the blues and other types yeah. of African American art forms. There's this kind of scatting thing that he brought into pop music and was able yeah. to do his kind of attacks and weird kind of strange vocalization. They're very kind of like a, they attack he's got this interesting attack and he's like staccato and things in and you're like wow that's really weird how he can do that and it's kind of james brown used to do it but he was doing yeah. it with from that heavy funk and then michael's doing it at a higher register um but james was doing it lower you know but i, I would say both of them do kind of like the like blueprint of like rock singing to be honest like I yeah, think more than anything, um, I think like Ray, I think race can tend to skew people's like view of genre. Like sometimes I hear certain artists, I'm like, that sounds like rock. Why are they putting that in the R&B category? Like the weekend, they'll always say he's like R&B. I'm like, that dude is like pop new wave. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like he's, or he's doing like industrial ambient, like he makes music like my music. Like that yeah, is the, the problem is like you get thrown in R&B if, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're a certain tone yeah no matter I mean, what not... you do they throw you in r&b even if you're doing like you know like a trend if you're doing like a punk thing if you if you're coming in and you're doing something really uh industrial or heavy punk and then yeah. it happens they're like oh well that's a that's a black band so they're like they, yeah. they're, they, they can't be on the rock station you know and that was kind of like when living color kind of tried to show me that you could be a heavy metal rock black band and everybody's yeah, like wow you can you can't. I didn't think you could. Well, you forgot about yeah. Hendrix. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you know. literally invented the genre. Yeah, it's. That's why I always people say, "Well, rock, rock is this," and like, wasn't Hendrix like a rock god? <laughs> yeah, for sure. He was like, was like he was everything. I mean, so my, like, first, me. <laughs> my first, my first guitar was like a replica of one of his guitars. Like that was the first guitar I ever learned on. But yeah. Um, that always kind of gets me because, like, you know, I think the cross genre thing or trying people trying to stay in lanes, yeah. I've always been very against. It. I've always like, yeah, why don't you take like a Nashville country song that Johnny Cash did and the train thing he used to do with his band, how they could sound like they're a train? And sometimes you can take that and you can bring that into other things. Right? Well, he, he, and, he especially translates really well to like rock covers of yeah. his songs, like, are like, like the shit like they're really cool he was like this outlaw he was doing like this outlaw yeah. country he's, he's the original outlaw country man in black you got the train coming from a Folsom prison he's going it's like he's going there and he's always kind of identifying with the bad guy he's always yeah. saying you know like yeah, I'm the you know on the boy the whole song of a boy named Sue is it's like a story of like this like you know criminals it's very <laughs> His attitude you know, talk, is very rock. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very rock attitude. It's kind of like like the Stones. It's like a Keith Richards Jagger attitude. You know. I, I think I think in some ways, like 
rock in the traditional form is kind of dead, but the attitude like lives on and it's going to like evolve in a, in many other ways. And that's why like, I'm not interested in um, doing a traditional rock band is because I want to be part of the future of music. I don't want to be part of the past. And to me, it's kind of like, we've already done that so many times. To me, I hear more innovation coming from like the, the beat, you know, the beats like more that are more popular in like, you know, in hip hop right now, or like in yeah. uh, synth pop, even like some of it, the stuff that's coming out, like sonically, not necessarily what they're saying usually, but sonically <laughs> fucking ev like, you know, very evolutionary, like stuff. I want to be part of the future. I don't want to be part of the past. So that's why I never, even though I do love that stuff, I'm not saying anything against that stuff, but that is why I never, that's why I didn't commit to like a real rock band really. I think it's like a, a real rock band, like a modern take on a rock structure, like like a modern take on a Led Zeppelin. Doesn't have, you know, maybe it's not Zeppelin. Maybe it's more coming from like a Guns N' Roses thing. Because the Guns N' Roses, everybody said bands like Guns N' Roses when they came out couldn't happen. And then they happened. <laughs> because it, or like even like a Def Leppard. Like Def Leppard showed up in an age where bands like that weren't really doing well. And then they came on the scene and they're like, bam. So once in a while, you'll get like a Def Leppard or, or, or um, you know, a Guns N' Roses. But, you know, lately we haven't seen that. We haven't seen some another band like that breakthrough. So it seems like, oh, Rock's dead because we don't have another actual Rose. We don't have that. Um, um, but you never know. Somebody might be inspired and come, come at it like the way Nirvana came on the scene and kind of brought back punk with grunge. Everybody thought punk was never going to come back. That's true. I mean, I think, I think like it, I think, like I said, I think if it does come back, it's going to come back with synthesizers. That's like what I personally think about it. Like if we ever had another Nirvana moment, it would be like with like distorted synthesizers and yeah, probably I'm some weird genre meshing. If Kurt Cobain was like now, it would be something like that. Like he would probably, well, yeah, he'd probably be using a Moog or, or a profit running through a like, Euro rack. He'd probably like, like he'd probably like rap and scream. Like he'd be like one of those like screaming rappers. That's what like Kurt Cobain would be now. And it's, and I, that would be cool. Like we need to find somebody who has that kind of like emotional authenticity. Maybe there are people, I guess I'm probably like, I, yeah, I, I mean, think, I think in the underground, I, I, I talk to a lot of emerging and underground artists and I've talked to like some Australian rock bands that nobody knows about right and they're they're very inspired by like heavy metal and but they're coming at it from like an australian perspective or i talked to some bands like in berlin and there's like a heavy heavy metal scene in berlin and they were and it's not just industrial and electronic there's actually a lot of a lot of rock going on in germany and i'm like that was really interesting to me because i wasn't hearing it here but when I interviewed the bands, that was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Ger a lot of cool Germ stuff going on. <laughs> Germany loves, like, industrial and metal. Yeah, there's a huge, like, goth scene in Germany, <laughs> for yeah, sure. Very much into it. But then I talked to some guys in the Netherlands or Iceland, and it's, like, synthwave. You know, it's, like, you know, new wave mm -hmm. stuff going yeah, on. But so sure. it's, like, it's every every scene's different, you know. But um, That's true. Um, in America, we have... Well, we have all kinds of people. I think because America's so big, it's different too. Um, depends on what part of the country you're in, determines how popular something is there. I mean, like, they're played, like, I've never grown up somewhere where country was really popular, for instance. Like, I've never grown up somewhere like that. But if you look at the sales, 
country music sells so much. Like, yeah, it's like it's hitting like the, so middle, the hitting the south so in the middle middle of America. They're like totally country fans. They're like fanatics. Yeah, <laughs> they're, and they're I'm like, I, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like from Minneapolis, so we're like, I don't know what the country. What the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know anybody. Not besides Johnny Cash and like a couple of people. I like like Dolly Parton, like Johnny Cash. That's about it, really. But I mean, my 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 mom was from Morgantown, West Virginia, so every summer I would go to the coal mining area, and all you heard, you know, I was living in Massachusetts most of the year, and then I go to Morgantown, West Virginia, and all you hear is like Waylon Jennings and uh, Johnny Cash, and you see like all all the old school guys from the Grand Old Opry, and they're watching the Grand Old Opry. Like you go, I come in there like like in, in in Massachusetts. I'm not watching that. I show up in '74. Yeah. My grandpa's like, sit down and watch this. I was like, what's this? It's like, oh, it's the Grand Old Opry. I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. But um, you know, I kind of like force fed it, and I said, well, it's not so bad. For two months out of the year, I had to listen to it, and I said, like, well, then I started to like appreciate some of it. And there's and, some and seriously talented songwriters um a lot of it's not my thing but some of the like more a couple songs like I, I like johnny cash and i like a couple dolly parton songs i think glenn I campbell some of the glenn campbell stuff is pretty cool but um but yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's just your taste because like some people can get into it like if, you, if you're coming from a punk aesthetic and you say you say they, if i tell some kid i like i like glenn campbell they're gonna give me the look it's like what <laughs> that's like, true I think like outlaw country is most palatable for like more like alternative like rock or pop fans yeah. probably. Johnny it's Cash, like people can respect stuff. him. I think a lot yeah. of modern tape, if you show them like, like something from Folsom Prison, they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. They're, yeah, they're, they're, badass. They'll get them. It's badass. And if you see him wearing all black and giving people the finger. And like, yeah. like, <laughs> Johnny was like a punk. He's the punk. Like He was a rock star. I mean, he was yeah. doing stuff rock stars weren't even doing. You know, he's getting put in jail. He's getting arrested. He's, you know, he's True. You know, flipping people off. He's swearing now, at people. <laughs> now, now I want to watch that movie about him. I'm going to watch that after this. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, he's just a really interesting guy. And his music catalog is just fantastic. But yeah, we kind of went all over the place. But I want to ask about, are you targeting like your next uh, album or EP or project for the next uh, year? Or is it going to be something like a future thing? Am I sorry? Am I what did you say? Targeting or touring? Uh, uh, well, targeting for your next like release. Like, are you going to be working on on an EP or an album or singles? Oh. What are you doing I, for your next project? Well, well, I have a single that I'm going to be releasing soon, and it's just going to be on Bandcamp for a couple months. Um, so I'm really excited about the song because I think it's one of the best songs I've ever done. Um, it is a little bit lighter than some of the things some of my audience might be used to that I've done, but I think they'll really like it because it's still very genuine and very somber, but like very well done. I love it. And um, my, my bandmate did an amazing job. Um, and I don't know, we just came together. We wrote this great song and I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to release that. Um, I'm working on my next project. I'm not sure where it's going to be. I have a, a I have some other things I'm gonna be releasing, but um, yeah, I'm working on new music. I'm gonna be playing some shows this summer mm -hmm. to just kind of for fun in LA, really. Um, mostly though, I think uh, I think it'll be a full album. I'm going to try to do a lot more um, 
probably like, I don't know. I don't want to speak on it too much because I have no idea what it'll end up, but I am writing yeah. for it. So you have a, a goal of an album and the single, do you think would be part of the album or it would be a standalone? No, it'll be part of the album for sure. And we're releasing that soon. So I'm really excited for that to be out. But um, yeah, and I'm going to be, I'm working on new music. Um, as we speak, I have a couple songs that are for sure going to come out, I think. And uh, yeah, are you, I'm really excited. Are you booked for like any summer shows? Yeah, um, I am going to be announcing a couple. Of, I'm going to be announcing some nice LA shows probably like tomorrow, to be honest. Okay. Um yeah, I'm playing at like the Mint and Bar Sinister and like a couple cool venues. Okay, if you LA. have any, then you could you could send that to me and I can include it in the podcast description if you want any hype for it. Because I can, sure. if you've got details, just send it to me. I will be publishing in like the next hour. So in order for it to be part of it, I'd need it in the like in the next hour. But sure. um, if if you got that list, just shoot it to me through our normal communication and I can include it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I will. And um. I'm excited to do those shows. It's going to be like, going to be doing some live mooging. I'm going to try to, and cool. some singing and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, mostly probably just like some dark bass noises and stuff. But yeah, like I'm going to try to put together a hopefully pretty creative show. And I also have a show that's a virtual show um, on Sunday with this company that I'm, has a, that kind of oh. uh, kind of have like a sponsorship thing. Or with online? Them. It's an online yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This is an online show, Ursa Live, which I put on my Instagram. If um, I really hope people can attend that because that'll be cool too. And uh, yeah, I'm doing the shows more just kind of like something to do while I'm writing the next album because I want my next album to be like big, ideally. Like I'm trying to make a like a big career step with my next album, which is why it's taking so long in a way. It's because like, it's all about, uh, it's not even just the music. It's not about just creating the music. It's about like the business aspect of it too. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to have like, I don't want to just release a bunch of material and not promote it properly, you know? So. Do you find if um, you play when you're working on an album and you go out and do a show, <clears throat> that when you try new songs in front of the audience, does that help with the development of the song by trying it in front of people live, make you make different choices, okay, based on how it feels when you do it live? I think, yeah, uh, I think it helps. I think playing live can help like a musician figure out kind of like writing wise, like what people want to hear in those kind of environments too, especially like that mm -hmm. was why one of the things I realized when I started playing live, I was like, man, I have too many mid tempo songs. Like I need some higher tempo songs. Cause like get the crowd going. Yeah. And like vocal wise, like I want to do these, like there, there is a song like where some of the vocal parts were written because of the live, because of the live version of it, because I wrote mm -hmm. those parts like spontaneously during the live version and it helped develop the real version of it. So, yeah, I find yeah. That, that that kind of technique of doing like a stream of consciousness thing or like I, I, what I found is I actually will go live on Facebook from my studio and do a rehearsal just cold. And what I do it, do it because I want to just you know, like force myself to not stop and start. So I'll do a live rehearsal and just go with whatever works and not have to keep on going back into my machines and start and stopping on a DAW actually run through a bunch of new material and see how it evolves if i force myself to play it live 
in front of people, which is kind of, okay. I, I heard like Frank Zappa used to do that a lot. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to try it. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Frank Zappa, I'm pretty sure had like a lot of people at his house all the time. And I know that because my dad broke his lamp. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I know that he was just like having a house full of musicians all the time. But um, I do find too, like I writing with somebody is like in the room with you is like why you can't, I think there's a lot of like the bedroom producer thing is a huge yeah, part of the music right now. But for me, I, while I, I write alone and stuff and some songs do start that way, it's kind of like, it feels like the best things actually come when I'm with my bandmate and we're like sitting and it's kind of about like, almost like impressing each other. You know what I mean? Because then yeah. it just comes together with an energy and the song always comes together in a way that to me, I think is just, more it's just better you know well i think and it's like, like the demo i think like if you think about it, like if you're in a band right and you got a primary songwriter who writes the demo and then he presents it to the band once the band gets it then you know maybe that 808 you know and maybe the the bass line from the moog get done by a bass player right and in the 808 gets done by a drummer and so suddenly oh, yeah. the, the, what happens is the demo could be still used as a song but the, what happens when the whole band does it, it changes it because the, each musician's, you know, talent comes to play. And then it usually enhances it because if somebody's been a, a drummer for 20 years or 10 years or whatever, they're going to do something you can't do on an 808, you know, or maybe yeah. a bass player is going to do something that you couldn't do on your Moog because I mean, they can do stuff, yeah, on the strings, you know, but. Even those people who like are known for playing like 12 instruments and stuff and sitting alone and being able to like write all those people worked with other people like, you know, mostly yeah. everybody like yeah, sometimes it's better to give it to somebody else. I mean, you might give the line. You did a good line, but the other guy interprets your line better than you. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like even if it was your core idea, like some of my songs, it'd be like I just like wrote some chords or whatever. And then my bandmate like God and I wrote my, you know, the vocal and I had the song and my bandmate took it to like another level because we did it together, you know, and it creates a whole new, better thing. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like that's the point, right? Trying to sound good. <laughs> Trying so to create something with, really good. Do you work with producers that like um, enhance your work or challenge you to kind of rewrite your work? Um, Every song is different. Really, um, I really only work with one person usually. Sometimes I collaborate with people, but um, it, it really just depends on the song. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, I don't but know. I what, I've, what, I've, what I've found is a lot of people, if they work with producers that have a tendency to make you like rewrite a lot of the song, at least the producers I see in the way the world works today, is if you mm -hmm. come with a demo, then the producer has a set like style that they have. And if you didn't match that style, then your song's probably getting 80% restructured to match how they do things. Um, that's why singers, singer songwriters that kind of stick to their guts and guns and say, I want it to be like this, just enhance it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it, it really like, I don't typically, it's not typically like totally restructuring it. Sometimes it'll be like, hey, this should be the chorus because this part is really good. And like as a songwriter, you can't really tell what is the best yeah, part yeah. of the song. Well, I, think that's enhancing, I think that's enhancing it. But what I'm saying the extreme mode is somebody like taking all your clips and doing like a 360 change or did a whole structure. Um, 
which changes it from your demo. Like it's like a 180 degree difference from your original demo. And maybe it's better, but I think sometimes you want, if you're, if you're like, you know, a, a PJ Harvey or a Liz Fair, they tended to stick to their guns and keep their structure yeah. the way it was. And it didn't get it glossed. They kept it raw. And if you listen, that actually is kind of cool that they kept it raw because makes them unique. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're working with somebody who respects you and your craft and what you do and like understands what you're going for, they'll be able to keep um, keep like the essence of the song, you know, yeah, right? Yeah, it's the core. And just help, the help enhance it. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm really, the essence is the main thing of what I'm trying to get at. But. Yeah, no, because I'm really fortunate. Like, my bandmate and I really understand each other musically, if that makes sense. Like, we really That's understand great. what what each other likes. We have really, really, like, almost identical music taste, which is very rare, and you don't usually find that. I've actually worked with so a lot of So is Queen of the who, Static Opera, are, are you, like, a duo? Would you call yourself, like, a duo, or is there a bigger band than that? Um, I mean, I've played with live in live people before it's kind of like a band in the way nine inch nails is a band like mm -hmm. i'm the front person i'm like the trent reznor almost of the band yeah. not quite but sort of <laughs> and uh but like i always will probably work with him and uh, maybe maybe yeah i don't know like maybe we'll get it engineered by a really professional engineer yeah. engineering is a whole master said <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like that yeah <laughs> I mean, that's so like it's, its own it, art. <laughs> I mean, I could just say I—I don't want to say he's like my producer because I also produce, which is why we yeah, yeah. usually call each other a band. Even though if he's primarily more of, even if he's like I'm more of the singer songwriter, and he's like a better producer than me, and I'm like just the, I'm like the front, you know. But I still produce too, so that's why we call each other. Yeah, so like you end up being like a duo because you guys are complementing each other because you got the same vision. Yeah, you know, I mean, I. I wanted to do this like alone initially, but then I just like met him and I actually really liked his music. So I was like, okay, I actually would like to work with this person. And I worked with him and we thought it was awesome. And we kept going after that. So. Okay. Well, that's great. I think, well, we're at the top of the hour, a little bit over. And um, for our partners, we usually try to keep it around this time. So we thank you for being on the program. And um, like everybody should know that we are actually going to be on Spotify video podcast. And if you didn't know, Spotify has video podcasts now. So this is actually going to get converted to their video podcast format within an hour. We will have permanent links on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and um, Facebook. Um, so thank you very much for being on the program. And if you, as always, when you're um, all the guests that we have are extended to come back on when they have another project. So when your album drops, if you want to have an album release episode, to push it um, at that time, let us know and we can help you out. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Um, everybody go make sure you take that link tree that's been scrolling across the uh, bottom. We always uh, encourage everybody who listens to this or watches this to go out and listen to the band that we talk to and, you know, download, subscribe, favorite playlist, their music. If you dig it, uh, make sure you get involved, hitting that like button, hitting the subscribe button, hitting the, um, the, the you know, playlist in it. That's very important for musicians, so please do that. Thank you very much, and please listen to Queen of the Static Opera wherever you find their music. Thank you very Thank much you. for being there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Are we still live? 
Now, now we're, we're almost <laughs> <up here. laughs> I hit the button.